Welcome, friends of the universe. We are Soul Women. We are three 20-something-year-old women working towards growing and learning in our spirituality and life practices daily. We have come together to talk all things adulting, learning more deeply about our own souls as well as others, and to give healthy insight on how to live a life of wellness. We work together to have relatable conversations and hope to help promote a lifestyle of inner peace while also maintaining our unique life perspectives and advice. So let's get started. Soul people. <laughs> Hello, soul women. We are your soul women, Andy and Cal. <laughs> and any men out there, if you're listening, welcome and thank you. We should mm-hmm. maybe just be a soul tribe of soul people. I think I like that. Hell yeah, soul tribe. Callie came up with soul tribe today. I'm not going to tell you why. Don't tell them why, yeah. I can't. <laughs> but that's going to be what it is. So we have a tribe of soul people, our soul tribe. Yes, 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 yes. And we wanted to talk to you a little bit about today uh, journaling and what it means to us, how it's impacted our lives, maybe times where we could have used journaling and and didn't have it as a part of our routine yet, and how it's a part and weaved into the um, retreat and the challenge that we're doing right now that we just released a podcast out for disruptor, the seven days to soul challenge through Jade Electra. We do it for all the reasons of it aiding to our growth and our health and being able to go back and see who we were and what we were feeling and what we went through. Because I think with the pace of quote unquote normal daily life, we just don't really take time to get to know ourselves. And I think journaling is a really good way to get to know yourself. And it's helped me get to know myself better. I know, Callie, you can say the same. And there's just something so therapeutic about writing. Yeah, I completely agree. I think journaling for me, I used to have a, a weird aversion to it. Um, I never journaled as a kid or in middle school or high school or, or even college for that matter. And I think it was because... I was like, oh, I don't need to write about my things. I just want to talk about them. But it's funny looking back at those years because those were the times where I was the least honest with myself. And I think it's I think it's because I was scared to journal. I was scared to go into the deep, dark parts of my mind. It was pre-meditation, pre-yoga for me and, you know, mindfulness in general. So I was scared to go deep. But that's the true beauty of that because you get to see the progress that you've made through however long you've been journaling. Even a week, you can see major progress. And I think for someone like me, I I feel really deeply. I have a lot of emotions. Getting them out on paper is one of the most healing mediums I've ever discovered. And now is the first time in my life where I can say that it's a non-negotiable. And it's helped make me a better communicator and, uh, you know, it makes me love writing poetry more because it feels like it just flows from out of me. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel tense if I don't journal. Yeah. And I think it's really cool to have a space that you can kind of just be super raw, which is your journal, because no one else has to read it. And if you're afraid of what you have to say, what is that saying? You know, and I think that that I totally understand how you felt when you were growing up. I liked to talk about things too. I've always really enjoyed writing, but I always liked to talk about every little thing that was happening in my head. And now um, 
I think Callie and I are really similar in this way. We really like to process how we're feeling before we speak about it because we just want to get really grounded and to a place where we're really sure of what message we're conveying before we convey a message. And so using our journal as a place to sort of like throw up our emotions and how we're feeling that no one else has to be affected or hurt by and no one else has to see. It's just sort of um, like a sacred space that you get to give yourself, which is my favorite part about it. Yeah, completely. I mean, the best part about it is being, it's like giving yourself permission to be messy and to, to put all the things that you don't think are pretty about you or your inside out into the world. So you can see it on paper. It's real when you do that. Most of the things that we're afraid of and that we fear in our own minds, we press down and we're conditioned to press those things down. And like, let's say you're a, you're a kid and you feel sad. Well, so often we're said, don't feel sad, feel something else. You need to process those emotions. And imagine if you had a parent when you were feeling sad, tell you write about it, write down why you're feeling sad. Imagine how much healthier we would all be. We would have emotionally mature six-year-olds and the world would be a much better, brighter, kinder place. Yes, seriously. But with that being said, we wanted to just not really go incredibly deep today. We're just going to give you some excerpts and pieces from our journals to, to show you what those look like, which anyone who's listening knows that that is a very, very extremely vulnerable thing to share. And we understand that we have created a safe space between the two of us where we feel comfortable sharing these experiences, um, the dark and the light. And we know that you as a listener will respect what we are saying and hopefully just receive it with love um, and have it inspire you to maybe dig a little bit deeper in your experiences as well. Yeah. And as everything we talk about, these are our experiences and we don't expect anyone to have the same experiences and it might even be a little uncomfortable to hear about some of our deep, dark vulnerabilities. And I encourage you, if you are feeling uncomfortable hearing it, to maybe push that boundary within yourself because wherever you're feeling some level of uncomfort, I think that's a good place to start rooting in change and growth and more understanding for not only us and others, but for yourself too, because there's a lot of deep, dark places we can all go and they're all valid. And Callie and I are big into, we do not want pity by reading these posts or these, excuse me, these excerpts. We do not want you to feel bad. We're not we're not going to read these darker parts of ourselves for you to feel sorry for us because we do not feel sorry for ourselves. We feel confident and we're growing from these dark places and we're comfortable with sharing them because we've fought through them and we're growing from them. Mm -hmm. And how else are you supposed to see how we've transitioned into the lovely, amazing, shiny people we are today? You know, (laughs) everyone's got to walk through the fire to, to to lead others through the ashes. And one of the first things that I think we want to share from is we've been journaling about the same things this week. So we're going to 
touch on a couple of the questions that we both have been asked and then we'll kind of talk about some stuff that has nothing to do with our seven days of soul journaling. But the one that really stuck out to me that I wanted to talk on was a journal prompt and it was what behaviors do you have that seem to shake you from your highest self? I thought this was a good question. Some of the things that I had written down for this particular prompt, I wanted to talk on them because I think that it's a really relatable question because I think that we all tend to get shaken off of our paths in some sort of a cycle. Like we are really, really on our paths and then we get pushed off and then we get to a point where we almost hit a level of a rock bottom again, and then we're bounced back onto our path because it's kind of all we have left. Or, I mean, it might not be that dramatic for you, but sometimes it is that dramatic when you're going through life. You're on the path and then you're off the path, or maybe you just have one foot on the path, whatever that may be. So what I had written down for what shakes me from my highest self, the first thing I wrote down was self-doubt. And with that, I wrote shame and then lack of motivation. And I think that those three things go hand in hand because when I start to doubt myself, when I start spiraling in my head, I'll get almost paralyzed in that thought that it takes away the motivation for whatever I need to be doing. And then I feel shameful about that. So it's, it's like a three part spiral that, oh my gosh, I'm doubting myself. And now I don't have motivation to do what I'm doing because I've spent all this energy doubting myself. And now I'm ashamed because I didn't get done what I wanted to do. And those three things are just useless. They're just a waste of energy and space, but we, we do them. We, we just do it. And so below that, loving myself conditionally shakes me from my highest self. So when I judge myself or say, I'll like myself better if this, or I'll be happier if I can achieve this or look like this or whatever. Anytime you say that you're loving yourself conditionally versus unconditionally, rather than just loving who you are and what you're doing in the moment. Another one I had listed was worrying about what others think overanalyzing and overthinking. I think this is another thing we all do a lot of just overanalyzing and thinking about what other people are going to think of what we do. Um, the last couple that I had written down was living and dwelling in the past, making up scenarios in my head. I wanted to capitalize on that one because a lot of us assume or we make up stories or, we make up a version of the truth that resonates with us, but isn't actually the truth. And I have definitely done this a lot in my past of making up an entire story of how something's going to happen before it happens and then feeling affected by the story I just made up. And it's like, it didn't even happen that way. Yeah, I can add on that. Definitely. Everything that you're saying is pretty much mirror image to how, how I feel too in the story that we tell ourselves. And when I tell myself something and I catch myself in that thought trail, I have tried to immediately stop what I'm doing. And I, I, if I'm pacing, I'll stop walking and I go to a mirror and I'm like, imagine the best case scenario. What does that look like? That's more likely to happen than any of these negative scenarios that you have rambling around in your head. Because we yeah. like to entertain the negativity. 
We well, like to I've give been, that more power. I've been trying to say this to a lot of people with everything that's been going on right now too, because there is a lot of what ifs with statistics and numbers and things like that. And it's sort of like, okay, yeah, what if this happens, but what if it doesn't happen? And usually it's, it's just as likely that it will happen, that it won't happen. It's always like 50, 50, cause we can't predict the future. And so why, why not put that energy into the 50% that would be a positive because then at least if you're going to think about it, you have good energy going through your body while you're thinking about it rather than that poisonous, stressful energy that you're wasting. And you're more likely to attract the positive outcome when you're, when you're thinking about that too. Mm-hmm. Totally. So kind of, you kind of need to think about it in that way too. It's like, what am I attracting right now with my thoughts? Totally. Yeah. So if you can think about like, what are those things or those habits that you have that take you away from your highest self and, and how can you reverse that? Or how can you do things that are go- going to benefit you rather than harm you? Cause all these things that I listed, are, they're harmful things and they're, they're, it's unkind to do to yourself. It's just not, it's just not nice. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just not nice. Like why, why let <laughs> yourself anti-bullying campaign? It's just not nice guys. <laughs> Seriously, do it to yourselves. Just be nicer. It just isn't nice. And ultimately we're all going to have those moments. We're all going to have, we're all going to be either we're going to jump off our path. We're going to be pushed off our path or we're going to literally be like, fuck this. I'm going to walk right off my path because I'm not in the mood for it. I mean, we, all those things are going to happen. And they're all meant to happen too, to teach you something. Exactly. And I think it's just all about getting back on. Right. Mm -hmm. So just trying again and trying again and trying again and have the grace to forgive yourself because forgiveness is the whole, it's the epitome of everything that we're doing here as we're healing. It's learning to forgive yourself and learning to forgive others around you too. We did an eye gazing activity today in our retreat and both Andy and I were freaking bawling because it brought up so much anger for me but also so much forgiveness and love and compassion. And it was this simultaneous like war in my head of the negative side, like the ego side trying to say, no, 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 but like they did this. And so it's like, they deserve to, to have your negativity towards them. And, and you, you should be angry about that, but that's only taking away from my energy. And I only have so much to give. And if you think about, all the times that somebody has done something bad to you and the number of times it's repeated in your head and it's almost become a part of who you are. It's a part of your story. Every day, part of your energy is going to to fuel that story, that part of your story until you forgive it and you let it go. Yeah, definitely. I think speaking on the eye gazing exercise, you just inspired me to share in that experience when we were going through sort of past traumas and childhood wounds and all of that, it it is interesting to see what comes up. And I think that ultimately when you are putting together a collective list of all the people or things that have hurt you in your lifetime, of course you're going to feel angry because you're going to feel like you didn't deserve that because you didn't deserve that. And, and I think 
anger is good because it's part of the healing. But ultimately, like Callie said, it's taking away from your energy to worry about what someone else did to you. So you're basically giving your power to that person if you're still being affected by them. If you're letting that anger still come over you on a daily basis or whenever, you're almost allowing them to still have like a leash tied up to you or some level of a grip. Mm -hmm. And something I had written in my journal after the experience was I've been unclenching a grip from my body, someone else's grip finger by finger for years. And, um, how amazing I know I'm going to feel when I can lift that last pinky finger of that grip off. And I know I'm so close to doing it and I can, I can feel that. And so maybe if it helps you to visualize someone having a grip on you, just start peeling those fingers out of your skin or those nails out of your skin and just get them off of you. And the best way you can do that is by forgiveness and moving forward and, getting all that negative energy that you feel about them just out of your body and replace it with love and forgiveness. Yeah. It's kind of hard. Like even talking about it right now, I'm like, okay, it's not that easy, Andy. And it's not that easy. No, I mean, it's, it's just not, I'm not going to lie. It takes a lot. It takes a very, very strong heart to forgive somebody who has hurt you. And I know from my experience, there was that time where I, I was in between paths. I could either go down a path where I could forgive and know that I wasn't going to get the answers that I, that I was looking for, or the, the apology that I was looking for, or I could go down the other route and I could send a message to the person that hurt me and hope, cross my fingers that they understand. And then they apologize to me, but then it's like more, more than likely they're not going to give me the apology that I want. And then I'm going to feel weird for, for reaching out. So it's more in my power and in my benefit to just be at peace within myself. And I don't even need a freaking apology from them. Totally. Um, But uh, going on a a tangent from, from that prompt, and it actually relates really well to it. um, And I'll summarize these because the journal prompts in this retreat that we're doing are very, very deep. There are many different aspects to them. So I don't want to give too much away without, you know, this. think of this as like a taster if you decide to do one of Jade's retreats. Um, and we're just summarizing. So the question was, where in your life are you too hard on yourself? And what does the word surrender make you feel or think? So I wrote in this one, which this is very vulnerable for me, but I'm too hard on myself in music and teaching and relationships in general. I always feel like I need to change something, make it right, inspire growth, etc. But then I don't, but then I get down when I feel like I didn't say the right thing. The more I learn and accept, I realize that what I have to say right now in this moment is exactly what someone needs to hear. That is special. My gifts are not meant to be perfectly wrapped. They're meant to be shared. I harden when I can't find the words to describe something and I think someone sees me as stupid or unknowledgeable or ignorant or naive. It's like the same feeling as performance anxiety. Surrender to me means becoming nothing, dissolving fully into the now and observing the winds swirling around me and trusting that no storm lasts forever, no matter how electric and torturous the lightning and thunder may be, allowing myself to feel and forgive and breathe simultaneously. Whoa. Yeah. That was amazing, honestly. And 
I think the, the best part about that is when you do get rid of those fears of saying the right thing every time, you start speaking from a place of consciousness and soul because there is no thought behind consciousness and soul. It's, it just is. And I think Callie, to me, you are one of the best people at speaking from your soul and speaking from your authentic core self. And I think that anytime I do watch you because we podcast together, so I do get to watch you talk a lot, which is a blessing. But when I do watch you start thinking too much about what you're going to say, that's when we don't get the message across. And I do the same thing. And I think that's why it's so beautiful that you're even focusing on that because ultimately we want to be speaking from our soul as much as physically possible. And I see that you do do that, but I understand being hard on yourself because so many times when we are trying to make a difference or influence people in a positive way, we don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to offend anybody. It, it is vulnerable to put our voice out there and collectively as women, like we've talked about, women weren't always allowed to even speak their minds. So there is some of that almost collective energy there, that pain body from just simply being a woman speaking her mind. Mm-hmm. And I think it's beautiful that you shared that vulnerability because from an outside perspective, a lot of people who listen to you probably didn't know that you felt that way. Yeah. And, and you know, it's been a ride working through performance anxiety and just like feeling socially awkward at different times. And that was a part of my big journey. I mean, performance anxiety has definitely eased over, over the years and I love being on stage now and like everything, it just needs time and practice. Um, but like my social anxiety stemmed from me not feeling comfortable in front of people, but it also was my only way to cope with it because I didn't want to be by myself. And I was like, well, I just got to throw myself in. And when I'm nervous, which I was always nervous around people, then I end up talking more. And so that's why people thought I was this super, super extroverted person, which I, I would have identified as a super extroverted person too. And now I know how much I love the space in stillness and, and silence. And I have a um, an excerpt from my journal that that speaks to that too. But it's interesting seeing the growth there and mm-hmm. where your confidence can stem from and how that changes. Yeah, it's amazing, honestly. And all I'm going to comment on that one from my own journal is just like what surrender means to me. We all don't write as beautiful as Callie in our journal prompts. <laughs> No, I'm such a sloppy journaler. I make like lists and I'll like bullet point ideas because I'm like, I just have too much. My hand can't like write as fast as my brain is working. But no, you like every time you read your journal, I'm like, you're like, this is just a casual one that I just like randomly threw on there this morning. And it's like a poem that I would have had to take 20 minutes to like put together. No, literally, I think it's it's only because I listen to like really inspiring music while I journal and something that gets me into my flow state because the times that I've journaled without music feel so like, I don't know, it, I get stuck 
Yeah. And when I'm when I'm listening to music and when I'm flowing, it's just like I start writing stories. Like I'll have a, a thought in mind as I start and I'll be far off in a different world. Which I think is amazing because you're writing as if you're telling a story rather than I think when I'll write things down, I'll think in my head, oh, I already know this. I don't need to elaborate on it because I already know this. Mm-hmm. I'll just write the gist of it because no one else is going to read this but me. But it is really beautiful to really go go deeply into it and really write everything that's going through your head because, yes, although you might remember it or you already know the answer to it, it's it's how you write it down in that moment where the lesson comes from later, like where your head was in that exact moment when you're writing it is kind of, or it just comes out sounding like a beautiful poem and then you can share it with people later because you have a gift. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to get better at doing that. But for my meaning of surrender, I wrote give in, not give up. So allowing light and energy to take over and flow freely through me without a guard, still having boundaries, but healthy boundaries, but having my guard down because I believe there's a difference between having a guard up and setting boundaries, being open and willing to change, learn, break, grow, and feel. All those words resonate with me for surrender. Letting go equals surrender. Letting go of pain, hurt, fear, and trusting the flow of my path in the universe is what surrender means to me. That was beautiful. I'm literally sitting here with my hand on my heart and eyes closed and I'm just nodding. And I'm like, yes, yes. Preach it, Andy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So yeah, maybe ask yourself, what does surrender mean to you? Because sometimes surrender can be uh, seen as something negative or a weakness even. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that there's a way to look at surrender, which is I'm giving into this experience so that it can help shape me, but I'm not giving up. You're not just like, Oh, I'm surrendering. I'm giving up. It, that's, that's not what we mean by this. It's, it's just, yeah. Like Callie said, dissolving into nothing, having an indifference, not being affected deeply by negativity, just kind of letting yourself be a part of the flow of the universe and just letting go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so many people, like you said, think surrender is a weakness, but surrender is not avoidance. Surrender is choosing to go deeper and let those feelings wash over you. And you don't have to say, oh, I'm feeling this and then spiral from there. You acknowledge it. And that's why I say like it's it's like becoming nothing and it's dissolving because we are all the same. Like, and we are part of the universe. So it's like feeling that energy go around you, knowing that every storm will pass. It's all temporary. Mm -hmm. Surrender to the experience. Yeah. And any really spiritual guru or teacher that we entertain as people that we look up to will all say the same thing about. I don't even like to use the word indifferent, but what's a better word, Kelly? Like non-attachment. And yeah. that's almost what surrender is too, is like not being so attached to what's happening around you to the point where you're resisting what's supposed to be happening. Yeah. Should we move on to another one? 
Yeah, definitely. Okay. I think you had mentioned this one about when we start to spiral. Will you read that question? What oh, you have yeah. So the next question I wanted to talk about is what do you have in place to catch yourself when you start to slip or spiral? Do you have a go-to plan that helps you? What types of energy helps you the most? Um, so my response here, I said, as a strong four, which is my Enneagram type, um, the individualist, it's easy to get caught up in the wave of emotions, to lose presence, and it sometimes feels like losing consciousness. When you come back to, it feels like a foreign experience. Affirmations and grounding exercises help me the most. Deep breathing and repeating a fitting mantra. Reminding myself that every emotion is temporary. Ha, <laughs> like I just said. <laughs> and all I need is to observe and feel. I forgive myself fairly quickly. And even then, the feeling usually harbors in my body until I shake it loose through yoga or movement. Journaling is also a saving grace. Listening to soul-cracking music and crying it out too. Complete honesty with myself. I'll even talk to myself out loud. I realized I carry a lot of tension in my belly, letting all of that go with love. Um, but yeah, I mean, with all of us, we carry tension in different parts of our bodies. As women, we generally, generally carry more tension in our hips just because of our makeup. Um, some people carry it a lot in their shoulders. I just realized from years and years of like sucking my stomach in, that's where I feel tension. And I'll like, be pulling it in. And there's something that Jade says where she says, are you breathing or are you holding your breath? And every time she says that, and that's a mantra that I usually end up repeating to myself. And as soon as I say it, I feel my belly release. And as my belly releases, my shoulders release. And, you know, you just have to start with one little thing. And it's, it's just tuning into that awareness of self. And it just comes with practice. And writing out your experiences or being honest about how you feel because otherwise you don't really know exactly where you're feeling tension or where you, you're maybe starting to spiral and where you could have changed that. So food for thought. Yeah, I loved all the things that you listed and I know you to actually follow through and do those things too. And I think that I try my best to do all of those things as well. Pretty much everything on your list, that's like right on the nose of the best way to try to, in a healthy way, catch yourself when you're spiraling, like being counterproductive. So when you're spiraling out, doing the opposite of the spiraling, which is a healthy activity, that's always going to help. I actually took a different route when I answered that question though, because this is something that I'm working on a little bit here, but when I'm having a slip or a spiral, say I'm just having a really off day, it's been a really long time since I've completely detached from any sense of my spirituality. So um, thankfully I haven't spiraled too far in a quite a long time because I have all those practices set in stone, like Callie mentioned, that will pull me back up. But speaking from maybe more of my past self, just for the sake of also anyone out there listening that maybe doesn't have a super long list of ways to get yourself out of a spiral that you practice right now. But what I used to do a lot was I'd give myself an entire day to spiral, basically. So I would, whether that meant 
sitting on my couch and crying, watching stupid movies or like Callie said, crying to music or just laying around and napping because I'm exhausted. Um, I just make sure that in that day where I'm feeling like I'm spiraling, I do one thing that's productive for myself like that. I will never let myself go a day without doing at least one thing that's productive. Even if it's like, right. Like we get up and we wash our face or Mm -hmm. I brush my hair or which, okay, let's be real. I never brush my hair, but I brush my teeth. (laughs) I can't even say it. Brush my hair. Um, Or like I made myself a smoothie. I drank enough water, whatever, you know, we've been talking about hydrating a lot, but I would let myself have just a depressing day. And then the next day getting my ass back in the game, no excuses because I let myself spiral for that day. And that is plenty of time. A whole day is plenty. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's too much for me now to do a whole day. Now it's maybe like, okay, you have an hour, Andy, and then you got to get your ass back in the game. There's a, there's a quote that I really like. And I try to repeat it to myself. If I find myself spiraling and it, and it's this, was it a bad five minutes or no, was it a bad day or was it a bad five minutes that you milked all day? Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, shit. Most of the time we're milking it because after five minutes, it's self-inflicted. Right. You're torturing yourself. Yeah. On purpose. And I don't recommend spiraling for an entire day because it is a lot of time to put into not feeling well. But if you're having just a rough chapter, a day doesn't seem like a lot. So give yourself a day, but then each day after that day, do two things that were productive, then do three, then do four, then do five. And just seriously, get your ass back in the game because you deserve to do that for yourself. And as much as sometimes we get stuck in the depths of our darkness and have pity parties for ourselves. And I used to be queen of pity parties for myself. Um, I think that you can only spend so much time there before you're being counterproductive or you're harming your, you're stunting your growth. Mm -hmm. And maybe finding things that work for you in those moments. Like for me, if I find myself in a dark place and I don't want to do something like, oh, I plan to do yoga today and I don't even want to roll up my mat. It's like roll out your mat, but look yourself in the mirror and say, my body deserves this. I know that my body deserves this. So, you know, it's not about, it's not even about me anymore and me throwing my pity party. And I can still feel sad, but like, I'll probably feel better after doing yoga and be able to work through my emotions better after doing something, because you do get that little, that little bit of dopamine rush and you're like, oh, I feel productive. I feel successful in something, even if you just sit in child's pose. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're going to make food for yourself and say, like, my body deserves to be nourished. I deserve to feel healthy and strong. And phrasing it in that way instead of like, oh, I didn't even get out of bed today. and Because that's just going to send you deeper. So I think we want to go just one, one step deeper and then we'll wrap up this episode. But um, we're each going to kind of read... Um, 
a journal entry that just means something to us. So if you want to start with mm-hmm. yours, Callie, and just kind of maybe say why you want to read this particular insert. Yeah. Um, so it was really hard for me to choose between things and I have about five things bookmarked. So I'm going to read, I'm going to read one that was from, it's from about a month ago and it's not anything crazy, but the reason I'm sharing this one is because when I share the one that was from about eight months ago, when I was in a really, really, really deep spiral, I think it'll, I think it'll pull things together and make a lot of sense. And if I need to add anything else to, to aid in it from there, then, you know, we'll see where this journey takes us. It's journaling, who knows? So I'm going to start in the middle of the entry. So I don't bore you with, with hours of Cali journal time. Um, never boring. (laughs) After so many years of never putting myself first, I was finally learning and everything about myself. I was new. One day I just woke up different. I couldn't have even told someone what I liked to do in my spare time before. It was terrifying because my mind was capable of saying some really, really nasty things. Now I love alone time the most. I love the habits I build in this beautiful space and garden I have built in my mind. I'm proud of myself. No more convincing, it's knowing in the depths of my heart. The hardest part of this whole thing isn't loving ourselves. That comes if you do this, the hardest thing. Trusting that you already have all that you need in yourself and we and all we need is time to bloom. What season of growth will bring you to this realization? Who the fuck knows and who the fuck spends so much time caring? Create space for yourself to be authentic. Trust in the mess. Get dirty in the muddiest parts of your mind and know it's just a puddle jumping rainy season. I've cried every day this week and I couldn't be happier. I've peeled back layers upon layers, looked myself in the eyes and forgiven my past selves and all the rest to come. And I plan on keeping that part going. It's rewarding and the clarity is addicting. So that was after. That was amazing. Thank you. That was after my first challenge with Jade about a month ago. And it was funny because it's like all these things that I've been manifesting for so long. And I was just really, really, really struggling to find the motivation that I used to have. And I think since I had already had those things in mind, once I found that motivation, I latched onto it and I was like, this is never going anywhere. I knew what I needed. And it was just, it was forgiveness. Honestly, it was forgiveness to myself for everything that I had done that I had said to myself, because the more you say those things, the more it becomes a part of you. It takes a long time to forgive the, forgive those things that you've said. I have to comment real quick on the line that you said, I've cried every single day this week, but I've never been happier. Yeah. And, uh, well, the whole thing gave me goosebumps, but the reason why that gave me goosebumps is because I think it's so important that people don't associate crying with so much negativity because there's so much beauty and healing and growth and happiness that can come from tears. It's not just sadness. And even if it is sadness, that's okay too, because that's growth. And I saw someone posted in our group and she posted a picture of herself crying and she wrote on her story, please don't message me and ask me if I'm okay. If this vulnerability makes you uncomfortable, ask yourself why. And that was huge because 
just because you're crying does not mean you're not okay. In fact, if you're crying, that's good because you're feeling your emotion and you are healing if you're crying. So yeah, tears are magic. Yes. So now this one that I'm going to read is from about eight months ago. It was right after my grandpa passed away and well, actually it was probably a month after he died because I was, I was in the worst state of mind and the, it was, it was terrible guys. (laughs) It was my lowest of lows. I was very depressed. And for about a month, right after I moved to new Orleans, um, all that time was just sadness because I couldn't fully transition because a couple of days after I moved, my grandpa died and he was one of the closest people in my entire life. And I didn't get closure until I went home for the funeral about a month later. So this was on my plane ride back home, um, back home to new Orleans. So I say, hello, plane ride. I'm going to be honest. I haven't journaled in over six weeks, not since I left Minnesota. I couldn't cope with losing grandpa as well as I thought I could. And I knew that deep down, but I wasn't asking for help in the right places. I had a beautiful support system of Alb's hugs and my friend's FaceTime dates, but it was beating around the bush. And I felt like I was losing control in more than one place in my life. I felt like I lost absolute control of my emotions in the last month. It was like the slow burn of a stick of incense, the fragrance effortlessly seeping into every corner of my mind, settling into the cracks and crevices until the stick let out one last poof of smoke. When that was gone, I was too. I floated out of my normal mind and spirit with the same ease as smoke leaving a flame. I felt claustrophobic in open spaces, tense when I woke up from a peaceful sleep. I'd shy away from any further change in my world and ultimately felt so disconnected from my normal self. I'm sure to any stranger's eye or a friend's, I seemed indifferent, like I had never left my normal state of brutal positivity where the sun never stopped shining and I was still pouring out the warmth and affection on the universe. That's normal, right? (laughs) Maybe that's why this particular grieving process felt so terrible too. The fall from my normal to my low feels infinite. I lose track of the road and feel as though there's no way to climb back up to the path unless I knew how to fly or teleport, so I panic. I've had more anxiety attacks this last month than I have had in my entire life, and that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I believe these types of intense emotional outpours create a type of learning curve, a gateway tool for self-reflection that feels more intense than any drug experience I've ever been a part of, that's for sure. So in this infinite space, this empty freefall, the only option is to rebuild the web that creates the structure of which we stand on and eventually walk, run, and cartwheel across. The laws of manifestation, potentiality, karma, the giving and receiving of our vital energy is what truly builds a strong structure that allows us to unfold our purpose in life, our dharma. Living in connection to being and being present in every moment is what brings us to a new surface and a new path that's fresh from the old ways and habits. The funny things about all of this is that every time we stumble, we encounter change or are having a hard time, we think we're falling. The truth is that we are actually reaching a level of higher consciousness that has been available to us this whole entire fucking time. The pain that was felt was just from us trying to fly up there too fast or because we were avoiding the change. But guess what? We flew there, didn't we? We always do. Yeah. Snaps. Do it. I wanted to read that because 
that is my lowest of lows to what I just read before that, where I have never been happier crying every day. (sighs) Yeah. That's why journaling is so important to me because you can see the change, especially when you're in those low moments and you can look back and you're like, I don't even recognize that. Like that doesn't even feel like an experience that was mine, but it shows you how strong you are and how resilient and how you always persevere no matter what. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that it's interesting definitely to go back in time and see who you were and what you wrote about. And again, I reiterate that because this is a big part of why we journal and why we encourage journaling, because there's sometimes parts of yourself that you block out when you're in pain. And it's sometimes easier to heal from past hurt when you can see the place that you were in when you were truly hurting. And I think you reading back to eight months ago, Sometimes when you're in that moment, you're not going to admit that you're in that dark place. And like you said, people around you were probably still just seeing Sunshine Cali, which is absolutely the truth. I mean, I like to say that I'm one of the closer people in your life and I didn't know how deep it was. And I can I can relate because of circumstances that I went through after with losing my grandma and my cousin and things like that. But I think that when you said, is that, or that's normal, right? That is something that resonated with me because that's what we do. We try to make other people feel more comfortable. We try to hide maybe what's hurting us or push it down because, oh, people don't want to hear this, or I don't want to get pity, or I don't want people to worry about me or whatever it is, whatever reason we hide what we're hiding, but uh, just don't hide it or at least have a few people that you can talk to about it because it's painful to go through that alone. And it makes, it makes me sad that you were going through that, even though I trust you to get through it. And I know that you're strong enough to get through it. I don't doubt that, but just because I know that we're similar in that way, like we don't have to be doing this alone. And And you don't have to feel that pain and, and hide it with sunshine and flowers. You don't have to do that. And I know, I know Callie, you, I know you didn't think you had to do that in that moment. That's just who you are. And again, I say, I've said it 25 times. I relate because I'm the same way, mm-hmm. but I think I need to take my own, own advice on this too. But what I would tell somebody is just like, you you don't have to be alone. Yeah, you don't have to, you do not have to cry alone. And we've talked about it past that too, because when I got back, that's when I really opened up to everyone. And I was like, I was not being honest with myself. And, and that was my learning experience from that because I just hadn't had a death in my life that hit so close to home. I didn't have a, a manual or any past experience to tell me how to get through that and, and do it in a healthy way. I did it in a super super unhealthy way <laughs> but well, that's why you have friends who understand and, and and love you no matter what and that you can open up to well and that's something that's really interesting to think about as well is that 
we're not really taught how to cope with death very well. It, for something that's so inevitable for us as human beings, we really don't get taught how to cope with it. And that's showing through in what we're dealing with in our world right now, even. And there is absolutely, I have so much respect for death on every level, but I also understand that it's inevitable. And so as far as how we cope, Callie, you hadn't had to deal with something like that before. You didn't know how to deal with it. It's completely understandable that you didn't deal with it in the most perfect way. And I wouldn't expect you to. And even after you've dealt with one death, losing someone else is a completely different experience. You might not handle it well again. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think it's just a matter of we aren't really taught. And and how can you really teach someone how to cope with death. I mean, it's a, it's a terribly, it's a terribly difficult thing to cope with. It just Mm -hmm. is, but I can probably speak for the majority of people listening, even that like, we don't know, we, we don't know until we have to go through it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that makes it harder, but also I think it makes it more real and raw and beautiful to go through the experience and deal with it. However, because again, you can learn from that. And if you write it down, then you can go back and see how far you've come from it. Yeah, exactly. So Andy, I'd love to hear your, your journal entries that you were talking about too, that you'd like to share. Yeah. So I haven't talked too much on ending the ending of a relationship that I was in. And so I'm going to just briefly talk on that just to be real that I about six months or seven months ago ended a relationship with somebody that was a huge part of my life. And I found myself back when I was with this person, I journaled a lot about my relationship and my feelings about this person. And I would always journal about someone else. And I kind of made myself a promise that I'm going to start journaling about me now and talk about how I'm feeling, what I'm dealing with and um, who I am and just take that energy back and focus on myself instead of someone else so much. So this was kind of like the last thing that I had written before I made that promise to myself and I will go through it very quickly and it might be hard for me to get through, but here we go. Trust is a word that holds weight heavy in her heart. Pressure pushing against her chest that like the sword and the stone, only her own hands can lift. She talks to herself as if she has been assigned two parts to a script. She has been betrayed. And so she asks herself, how can you stay? When betrayal lights like incense suffocating your home, how do you hide your suffering? She chooses to suffer in silence. She finds safety within her own head. She can ask herself real questions, gain no pity, and seek truth when she stays inside. Do you trust yourself? Do you not know that you are enough? Do you not see how worthy you are? It took her a long time to believe that the answers to these questions were always yes. She looks in the mirror and she talks to herself. When you believe them, you let them take your power. You give it away like it's theirs to take, and it is not. She silently judges herself for feeling pain from things that have already had their ending 
and she wonders why she cannot let go of them or why they still linger and hurt and hurt and hurt. Her other self would ask, isn't feeling a part of being human? Why do you judge yourself? Emotions come and go. They are not you. They show you where change needs to happen, where growth needs to happen. Let them free and voice them out loud because your voice matters. Your voice makes a difference. Speak up. Make them hear you. Who are they to tell you that you are too much? Their hands cannot lift that heavy pressure from your heart. Their hands are powerless over yours. You are just enough. Who you are is necessary. What would it take for her to believe this about herself? Time, practice, to trust the timing of you, free her, free yourself. I can't help myself. Oh my God. <sighs> I feel like I'm we're just at like an amazing poetry slam and Andy went up there and then like the crowd went wild and was just <laughs> oh snapping up a storm. That was beautiful. Oh. I love how you write. Thank you. I love how you write. Oh my gosh. I can read. Like I told Callie earlier, I'm like, I wish I could just read your journal. Like a well, book. I'll send it to you. Yeah, seriously. Send me a copy. I will read through that in a day. But here's the thing. We got to wrap up here because we're about to go into a breathwork workshop. But it was a big thing for me to transition my writing over from talking about someone else to talking about myself. And I think that as yes, venting and talking about what's happening in your life and talking about other people is healing. When you really shift that focus onto yourself and what you need and where you need to grow and put that energy into you, oh, that is a powerful feeling. And I highly, highly recommend just write about you or at least have one of your journals just be all about you. Mm -hmm. And let it be messy. Don't try to make it poetic. Don't try to make it sound like something that you want somebody to like pick up and be like, oh my gosh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever written. It's like, no, 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 no. Everyone writes differently. Everyone feels differently. One day could sound like poetry. The other day you're just writing in shapes and symbols, you know, whatever you need to get out. And my thing is, and the thing that Jade talks about in this challenge that we're doing is a thing called morning pages and it's writing three pages so stream of consciousness whatever comes out comes out you're just clearing the pipes if you don't know what to write about right fuck I don't know what to write about I really don't know what to write about today like just noodle it out because maybe on day five you you hit a breakthrough and and then you feel so much better and you all of a sudden feel so inspired to dig deep. Maybe it's day 15 of saying, I don't know what to journal about. You haven't tapped into that side of yourself in a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's like working a muscle. You have to start somewhere and trust. And your hand that. will hurt. Yeah, trust that. Push through. <laughs> Your heart and your head will carry you and your your experiences, trust that your experiences deserve to be heard and they deserve a place to live. Exactly. That's beautiful. I think we got to end on that. That was beautiful. I loved it. I love oh, you guys so much. Thanks for we listening. Love you. Yes. Let us know how you feel about this episode. And we just wanted to give you a little taste of some depth that we're going to be planning on diving into. And yeah, we want you to swim there with us. So 
Get your life straight. Me too. All right. We love you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.